Welcome to the Startup Help Desk, your source for answers to questions about starting companies, building businesses, and the meaning of life. Your panel here are all experienced founders, entrepreneurs, and investors who have worked with thousands of companies, and we're here to share all of our mistakes and painful lessons so you don't have to learn them the hard way. My name is Sean Burns. I've been a founder for about 20 years, and we are lucky today to have our guest panelist again. We are joined once again by Leo Polovets of Seuss Ventures. Leo, welcome. Tell everybody why we're so proud that you are on our podcast today. Uh, thanks, Sean. I really appreciate it. Um, I, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a partner at Seuss Ventures. It's a seed stage fund. We back companies like Robinhood and Flexport in their early days. And before this, I was a software engineer for about 10 years. I was one of the first hires at LinkedIn back in the early 2000s, uh, then worked at Google and a startup called Factual, and uh, also had the good fortune of investing uh, in Sean's company, Outlier, and got to work with him for many years through that. And uh, it's been nice. awesome to you know, awesome to get to know him over the years and work with him, and uh, I'm excited to be on this podcast. And, and evidence that not, every makes, not everyone makes good decisions, but you know what? We're not going to hold it against Leo. We're going to listen to his answers to these questions here. Oh, thank God. I thank God you're talking about oh me. I thought I, I thought you made a bad decision of working with me. <laughs> we are we are also joined as always by our experienced panel of founders, Ash and Nick. Hi everybody, my name's Ash Rust. I'm a former founder and pre-seed investor based in San Francisco. Hey, this is Nick Melionis. I am a startup founder. I'm co-founder and CEO of a startup called Navi. And as always, so excited to hop in and hear your questions for the day. And speaking of questions, all the questions we answer here on the Startup Help Desk were submitted by people just like you. So if you have a question about building, starting, hiring, selling, marketing, we are here to help. Just submit it on our website, thestartuphelpdesk.com or on Twitter at thestartuphd. And if we don't have questions, we can't have episodes. And we really like having episodes. So please submit questions for us, not for you. Today, all of our questions have to do with investor relations. So if you are like most companies in the general startup ecosystem, you have investors. How do you relate to them? How do you manage those relationships and make sure that they stay positive? We're going to answer all those questions today. Uh, And in fact, of us, Ash and Leo are both investors. So they bring great perspective to this. So let's jump into it. Ash and Leo bring great perspective. (laughs) Two two names. (laughs) Sorry, Nick. Ash and Leo bring great perspective. Excellent. Let's jump into it. Okay. That's great. First question off the top. How honest should I be in my investor updates about the problems in our startup? Which is actually a great question. One that I get all the time. Leo, what do you think, man? You know, I'd say like the bigger the investor group, um, the less detail I provide. And I, I think you should tell people high level how you're doing, like how much runway you have as a business doing well or not. But when it comes to like deeper, you know, challenges, problems, kind of like things you're facing that you're trying to figure out, I'd probably limit that a little bit more to like your close group of investors, like, you know, one, two, five people that you really trust. Um, and, and to me, it's it's almost like a normal, you know, relation, like set of relationships or friendships, right? Where, you know, if you're like facing something hard in life and like, you know, you meet somebody at the grocery store, you're not going to just tell them, right? Because maybe that's not close enough for you to uh, be willing to confide yet. Um, but if it's like your best friend, in you probably the Bay do want to tell them, but you don't but want to hide Go things. to a different part of the country and then you'll be <laughs> sharing all kinds of details at the supermarket. I'm That's telling fair. you, the Soma Whole Foods is the best form of deal flow, man. You just go to the Soma Whole Foods over the deli food <laughs> section. Great deal flow. Man, I'm really feeling FOMO about not being in uh, SF now. Um, 
So, I mean, I'd say like maybe the last thing I'll add here is like investors can only help you if they know what's going on, right? And again, it doesn't have to be every investor, but you want a few investors that have a good full picture of your company. So that if you are facing some challenge, like you have somebody you could turn to that has enough context to be able to help you out. Hey, so, Leo, does that mean that you would send one general update to the entire list of investors? And then perhaps you've got your list of two to five that might get something more tailored, even more frequent than that? Uh, it's a good question. You know, I've seen this done in multiple ways. I mean, first, I've seen a bunch of people just send the same update to everyone. And sometimes it's a very detailed update. Sometimes it's a very shallow update. Um, so there's definitely founders like that. I don't I don't think this is the kind of thing that makes or breaks a company. So I think either of those is technically fine. Um, in terms of different levels of access, the two most common ones I've seen are one, the, the most common one is like you have an email that's to all investors. And then maybe with a few of your bigger ones, you have a regular catch up call. Right. So maybe once a month, once every two weeks, once a quarter, you catch up for like 30 or 45 minutes. And that's a good chance to maybe tell them things that you weren't, you know, you didn't want to put in an email. Um, the other thing I've seen that's a little less common, but also sometimes happens is you have two versions of an email. One is like to your whole investor list and maybe a different one that's like to your, you know, closer investor list um, that, you know, you really trust with a little more info. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So from my perspective, I think it's important to first acknowledge that everybody can mostly guess by what you omit. So if you are not talking about great month-over-month revenue growth, good chance you don't have great revenue growth. But in terms of keeping secrets, I actually believe the cost of that is quite high. If you're trying to retain information, polish every sentence, that's quite a big burden um, so transparency is kind of freeing from my perspective. Um, and as Leo mentioned, if you are transparent and open about your problems, you might find that those uh, investor updates actually lead to getting help. It's one of the best ways of, of asking for help. And I wouldn't be too worried about actually uh, saying that things are going wrong because I have found that in, in, from myself and many other investors that we mostly care about the path forward. I'm not massively interested in deep dive explanations of what went wrong. I'm more interested in the plan of how you're going to be successful from this point. That's actually a really good point. Does anybody have any examples of like when disclosing problems actually is a bad thing, even if it's to a larger audience of investors? I, I've always been pretty transparent. I don't think I've ever really seen any negative repercussions about being honest about our struggles. But have any of y'all seen anything that actually did negatively impact the company from being honest about their problems? I think I've seen two things that they're not major, but they do happen. One is sometimes an investor is invested in a competitor or maybe like most investors are pretty ethical, but not all of them are. And so if you're sharing a lot of info and maybe this investor wrote, you know, a 25K check in your company and a 500K check in another company and you share something that would help the other company, most investors, you know, would like would treat that with respect, but some might share your info with another company. Um, so that's one thing. Um I think the other one is sometimes if it feels like a company's like just like everything's going wrong, um, then some investors will check out, right? And so those are people that maybe would have helped you with some intros or something like that. But if like if you know you have a couple investor updates in a row that just make it sound like everything's going to shit, then uh, or you know is it family friendly show go to shoot? Uh, then, uh, <laughs> then you know I think I think Great that's where recovery Leo. <laughs> yeah, it was very smooth. I'm got on my feet. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's where like some investors might check out a little bit if they feel like, oh, this company is not going to go anywhere. Like, I'm just going to like stop reading the emails. And, you know, that's maybe, maybe that's not a terrible thing if that investor kind of has that attitude, but that is help that maybe you won't get in the future that you could have gotten. 
Fair enough. I actually have this great image now in my mind of a family warmed up by the fire with their, their audio turned up listening to this podcast. It's a really, really nice, homely, homely image. Thank you for We for should get that. it on uh, mid-journey. <laughs> we should absolutely do that. Okay, okay. We're in danger of only answering one question this episode. So let's get in gear. Ash, what else is on our question queue for today? All right, next question. One of my investors just invested in a competitor. So what do I do now? One of my investors just invested in a competitor. What do I do now? And I think the subtext is, do I go public on Twitter or TikTok first? Mm-hmm. That is exactly where I was heading to. And I think that transitions into what the first step is. And the first step is don't be reactive. And so that means no sly tweets, uh, no email missiles directed at the investor. All this means ultimately you know, spending a little bit of time to just calibrate and understand the reality. So do a sanity check, confirm that this competitor is truly a competitor. Once you've done that, also meet with the partner, uh, meet with the investor that led this investment and just try to understand their rationale that led to them making this investment. Ultimately, you want to make sure that you just establish this clear line of communication and get an idea about what their perspective is on how they can still be able to contribute to your company. You don't want to make any grand assumptions. Once you've done that, of course, you know we talk about the importance of having a great legal team part of your company early and often. Talk to them. Talk to your attorneys. Understand what's appropriate in terms of how you move forward and what you can share versus what kind of information should be withheld. Because as Leo mentioned earlier, the risk here is that you share something that is non-public sensitive info. And this information might be disclosed to your competitor in a way that you don't prefer. So ultimately, the theme here is understand the reality, talk to the team, talk to attorneys to be able to guide you from a legal perspective, and then you can be able to map out your course of action. I'll pause there, though, and kick it to Leah. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think, as Nick said, you don't want to be reactive. You want to think you know, about the situation clearly and really understand what's going on. Um, I do think you want to talk to the investor and try to figure out how they thought about the decision. Um, and this is for a few reasons. Like one is maybe they didn't realize it was competitive with an, uh, that you were competing with another company. On the flip side, maybe it turns out you're not actually competitive with that company and like you misread the situation or maybe you don't know the company's plans as well as you thought you did. Um, so you should definitely have that conversation with the investor. Um, and, and for what it's worth, sometimes if the investment is maybe it's you know in process but not closed yet, and you make it clear to the investor that you're not comfortable with it, some investors will actually, you know, like basically like respect your relationship and they'll tell the other company that they can't work together. So maybe there's even a chance to like to, to save that investment and that competitive conflict from happening. And is there any downside to also meeting with the competitor in this case? I think ultimately building relationships where you're not disclosing sensitive info, but just establishing the reality and having just transparency about the situation. There's not really much downside to that as well. Of course, if you fast forward like a boxing match five, face ten off type years, thing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, you can uh, have your uh, TikTok competitions back and forth. You can build the whole community around this. <laughs> but it does seem that um, you could ultimately build relationships. And of course, we know in a market that succeeds, fast forward five, 10 years, competitors become acquisition targets and vice versa. And so it seems there's no downside to at least meeting with them to establish an understanding of the reality. Does that make sense? Yep, agreed. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. Just be careful when they come by your office to meet you. They're not recording everything that they see and trying to walk out with some laptops. Just basic, basic infosec. Very important. Very important. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> People don't have in-person offices anymore, old man. <laughs> oh, there's a whole episode about that. That meeting is going to happen at the, at the Soma Whole Foods, right? <laughs> Mid-market, I think. Uh, oh, there it is. It's actually it's a, a, a quick story about just investors and competitors. When we were raising our first round for Outlier, one of our invest the people who wanted to invest in the company, so an investor, a prospective investor, was an investor in a company that I felt was competitive. And so I, I didn't want them to invest, even though they wanted to. And I was actually quite impressed. They sat down with that company and wrote up a whole multi-page analysis about why they didn't think we were competitive today and they didn't think we'd be competitive in the future. And so they co-signed it with the CEO of that company and sent it over to me. And I was really impressed at how thoughtful they had been about it. And so we did it. they did end up investing in the company. Um, and I did get to know the CEO of that company well. So all of the stuff you said has held true for me. Um, and just expressing your concern can often lead to clarifications that make it better. Um, but you know what? Let's be honest. We have Ash and, and Leo, who are two very ethical investors on here. There are investors out there that are not ethical. I know. I know. Shocking. I would just be very careful about them because they exist and they can make your life very difficult. And we probably don't have to go into more detail about that. Okay, Nick, what else do we have in their question queue for today? All right, let's do it. Here's a question that we received from a founder. My investors have stopped responding to my updates and messages. How do I get them engaged again? Sean, do you want to kick things off? Get so baskets. first, I have... <laughs> Is this not the lightning round? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have never done that. Um, but I, it's important to remember first, if you're a professional investor, I don't want to speak for Ash and Leo, but investors are usually very busy, or at least they can be. And the first thing I often tell people is, remember, life is usually not about you. Even though you're the center of your universe, other people have their own universes and there's a lot of things happening. If somebody's not responding to your messages, it could just be because, I don't know, the bank system is failing and all their startups have their money locked up. Or I don't know, maybe there's a crash in the technology market and all their customers are laying off. There could be lots of reasons why they're not responding to your updates and messages and it might not be have anything to do with you. It might just be them. Um, And this is assuming you're sending regular updates. If you haven't sent updates for two years and you send one out of the blue, I wouldn't really expect very much. But if you're sending regular updates every month or every quarter and you're not getting a response, it could be a few things. They could be busy. They also could have written you off if you're struggling. And it happens quite often, unfortunately, with a lot of investors where if you're not doing well, they're like, listen, I'm just going to go pay attention to my investments that are doing well. But the funny thing is, if you keep it up, if you keep communicating, and by the way, not all of my startup companies have been successful from day one through exit. I know it's shocking considering how brilliant I am, but in general, they have struggled along the way. What I've noticed is that there's a whole class of investors that will stop responding, stop paying attention. But once things are going well, again, they come back. It's amazing. It's like magic. And so my philosophy has always been, you keep communicating, you keep sending updates, um, assume it's not about you. And leave it on them. If they don't want to engage, they don't want to engage. That's just how it is. Leo, what do you think, man? You're an investor. You deal with this more than I do. I mean, I have to confess, when I stopped replying to your updates, it was about you. But in general, you're right. <laughs> and, and Finally, I, we're getting it all coming out now. I've been waiting for this moment for some time. The mask is beginning to slip. <laughs> it was the smell. Uh, I know, Leo, it's the smell. <laughs> 
Um, no, uh, kidding aside, Sean's advice is great. Uh, I agree with you. I think, you know, you, you kind of have to keep at it. Um, I, people are a lot more responsive when things are going well. Uh, the, the one thing I would add is like, maybe, you know, if you're not doing this already, write your updates in a way that invites responses. And what I mean by that is like, include some asks, right? And, and, and part of this is like include asks and make the asks different each time so that maybe if somebody can't help one month, they can help you another month. Because one thing I've seen, for example, is like there's definitely updates where, you know, they'll just say, okay, here's our status this month or here's what we did this month, the end. And it doesn't really invite a reply. Like, you know, you can kind of reply and say like, oh, good job. But like, there's no questions in there. There's no requests. There's nothing else. And so like, I just tend to reply to those less because I'm not really even sure what to say other than like maybe every couple of months we'll say nice job. On the other hand, if somebody says, okay, like we're looking for this like engineering hire, but the next month it's like, well, we found the engineering hire, but now we have like a new homepage and can everybody take a look for two minutes and, you know, send us like a bullet point of feedback. Like as you vary those requests, you'll get more responses because you're actually inviting responses. Um, and so I, I think that's just a good practice to have. And then maybe, maybe the last comment I have here is I think it's sometimes good to reach out to investors one-on-one uh, because generally the bigger the group, the more people feel like they don't have to reply. And you've probably seen this if you ever, you know, if you have like a some input that you want and you email like 20 people with a single email and you just say like, what do people think about this? A lot of times like nobody replies or like one or two people reply. But if you email those 20 people one-on-one, you probably get, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 replies. And so I wouldn't do this every month, but once in a while, if you haven't heard from somebody in a while, you know, it, like send them the, the group investor email, but maybe follow up one-on-one and just say like, hey, it's been a while, like maybe we should catch up. What do you think about this? And you'll get a lot more, uh, a much higher response rate when you go one-on-one instead of just group emails. Fair enough. Here's a funny story about how you can guarantee to get feedback from all your investors. So one of the very first investor Add blockchain updates that... to the email subject. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Good times. One of the very first investor updates I sent for Outlier, our burn rate, I think that month, I used to send them monthly, the burn rate was $200. And investors are very used to seeing dollar signs that are in thousands. So I got a number of very frantic emails from investors who normally don't respond. I'm only used to seeing things in millions. (laughs) Fair enough, fair (laughs) enough, fair enough, millions. But they were very freaked out that our burn rate had shot up to $200,000 a month in the very early days of the company and where was all that money going? And I, I had to very, you know, sheepishly reply that there was no K it was just $200 and we, our burn rate was in fact a few orders of magnitude lower than all the other companies. So that's one way you just freak them out. Freaking people out is a great way to get responses. I think. Uh, so good. A little strategic type. <laughs> you know, the other good way to freak people out is uh, instead of like, you know, March summary or like outlier March summary, right. Outlier recap. And uh, that, that does wonders <laughs> as well. Good. That's good. <laughs> that's a great one. Oh, I love it. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Actually, Leo, I have to ask you, uh, and Ash, too, since you both, I'm sure, get lots of investor updates, what's been the, mo- the, the, most, the funniest investor update that you've gotten? If you can, whatever you can share. So one time, this founder wrote that their burn had shot up to $200,000. I mean, $200. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, most of them are not that funny. <laughs> um, but I, I, I will say, like, I think it was Paul Graham that said this, that like you can tell a startup's doing well when they have a bunch of numbers and you could tell they're not doing well when there's like no numbers in the update. I've definitely found that mm-hmm. to be like, you know, directionally pretty true. Um, so I think a lot of times you, you read these like long winded, like paragraph after paragraph, 
But like you read the update and you're like, I'm still not sure how the company is doing. And it's always a little bit like a little bit funny, like a funny feeling to read those. Cause like I just read so much and I feel like I, I like I have no additional information about the company. So it's not an investor update, but I remember once there was like a nasty co-founder breakup going on between um, two people that were where I was a customer of the product. And um, one of the founders was frantically emailing against the other founder and so um, he uh, CC'd instead of BCCing the entire cu- uh, customer base. And so everyone realized that like there was 400 of us or so on this thread that nobody wanted to be on and that the, our emails had, oh, all be- was all, had all been shared. Yeah, exactly. And um, the, well, the only response from the tech community in that instance would be, of course, just to uh, break out the memes so it was just a, a, a series of steadily meaner um i don't know what i'm doing memes of like dogs on keyboards and <laughs> monkeys driving cars it was just terrible so yeah that was about the funniest update i've seen oh that is pretty good awesome okay we have time for a lightning round i'm going to give everybody 20 seconds to respond to these last few questions on investor relations 20 seconds nick two zero 20 seconds two zero all right all right i can i can talk about pancakes and not a mad time let's this do it first one i'm going to make you respond with one word how often should i send investor updates leo daily no just kidding monthly <laughs> Ash. monthly nick Monthly. Excellent. Can my investors force me to give their money back? Leo, what do you think? Uh, depends on the terms of your round. Legally, maybe in practice, unless you know there's something really egregious going on, they probably won't do anything. Ash? I've seen a lot of bad behavior from both founders and VCs in my time, but I have only seen that level of escalation when uh, <laughs> fraud is suspected. So I think you need to be pretty far down a very bad path for that to be a concern and nick what do you think uh i've never been a part of such an endeavor so i think trusting leo and ash and this one's a good way to live life and in general (laughs) that's right oh good times and that brings us to the end of our queue for this episode it was fun we covered a lot about investors relations and even investor relations look at that Leo, it was great to have you join us again. Thank you very much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks again for inviting us. It was uh, a lot of fun. And as always, Ash and Nick, thank you for dropping the wisdom and putting up with my jokes. Great time as always. And Leo, thanks again. Much appreciated. I think I actually enjoyed this one. (laughs) It was bound to happen eventually, Ash. It was bound to happen. Okay, if you have a question for a future episode, we would love to hear it. Find us on our website, thestartuphelpdesk.com, or on Twitter at thestartuphd. If, again, if we don't have questions, we can't have episodes, and we do love having episodes, so submit questions for us, if not for you. The Startup Help Desk is now closed, but we will open again. In the meantime, good luck in building your business. Hey, 